Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Venus. We're back together, son. How are you? Hey, Bully, great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by The Joystick. Ben Joyce. To be more like Ben, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marla Show, and grow the show. She sells seashells. Sell sea sharks. Hello, Dan. Hello, Joe. Are you wearing any clothes? I need to know this. Yes, I've got shorts on. Okay. It's been quite a, um, I'd say, between 12 and 13 hours of um, carnage. Mm. Nice. Right, you're ready. Okay, here we go. Hello, and welcome to our show. I'm Joe. This is Tom. But more importantly, I would love a warm welcome for England and Lions prop, Dan, the Cola Bear, Cole. You've returned, Dan. Thank you so much, mate. No problem. Thanks for having me again. Quite a formal response there. Exactly the same response Quite as the first time. <laughs> he's, so, he's so fucking formal. It's not news night. Yeah. <laughs> All the very best and let the show go ahead. Roll on, roll on. Because I can see two large shaven-headed men, one of whom isn't wearing a top, Joe, this feels rather like I'm recording a podcast in prison. Tom, uh, we're doing a Lions uh, special, are we, again? Yes, Joe, I mean, the Lions tour is still going on. Yes, I know, but you you made a really valid point the other day. Couldn't we just put out the same pod um, that we did after the last time they played the Celsi Sharks? Because they just played the same team again. Yes, um, and I suggested that that we couldn't do that because that was really unprofessional and quite lazy. Well, I'm going to ask you a question, Joe, and a question for you, Dan, as well, based on the fact that the Lions have played Sharks in two consecutive matches. If you had the choice, would you rather be a shark who can live on land or a lion who can live underwater? A lion would go underwater. Why? Well... The shark coming on land, like, it's not going to be the most mobile thing. From what I've seen of, like, sharks on land in cartoons, they walk on their tail, don't they? And they don't walk very fast. <laughs> so, unless they're going to, like, be able to roll their way around. Like, whereas a, a lion can swim and, you know, if he holds his breath for a long time, he can swim underwater. And like, Lions can swim naturally quite well. I'd say they can. Cats can. Can they? Have you ever seen a lion swim? I've seen a a tiger swim, um, and they're from the same... Excellent. You know. We might have Dan for the very first time on something factual. Dan's this fountain that not only do I, but the most of his teammates would go to for any sort of corroboration on facts and stuff like that. And he'd, he'd say it's so... Matter of fact, but, that it was it was based on the fact that this bloke didn't know where the southern hemisphere was last year, last week. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't right, have to give yeah, a most mammals and, can swim. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, them. He, 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 he talks to us as like them. Don't give <laughs> them much. Ugh. Most mammals can swim, including lions, leopards and cheetahs. Being able to swim is quite different from being able to swim well, though. Most of the... <laughs> patronising, it? <laughs> yes. Most of the big cats tend to avoid water as they are adapted to hunt on land. So you make a good point. Lions can swim if they were yeah. like forced to, but they choose not to. They don't From like swimming, Dan. Well, I've you know the programs that I've watched on this kind of stuff, like there's crocodiles and stuff. Where lions are in Africa, in like the lakes and rivers, there's crocodiles. So if you're a lion, you don't want to be, you know, taken on a crocodile in its in the water, deer. So that's why you hunt on land. <laughs> I think a lion underwater would look. I think it would make the mane look magnificent. Can you imagine the mane underwater, sort of pushed out behind it? I think it would look really good. I'm just trying to picture the mane under the water. Like it'd be they wouldn't, mate, they wouldn't swim very well under the water. They'd be so bad. Like, they haven't got very good... Like, their paws aren't, like, webbed, are they? But I'd back them to swim better under the water than a, a shark on land. Oh, yeah, the question was that, wasn't it? A uh, shark on land. Uh, how's he moving? No, can if he's if he's moving. Oh fuck, you're right. What's he? It's like the knowledge that we've already learned about sharks as well, Tom. That their skin isn't actually smooth, is it? It's Correct. like um, razor blades. You'd cut your hand stroking it backwards. Really, and um, so therefore it'd pick up loads of dust if it was having to like roll around, and it would get yeah. quite. It just end up being this one massive ball. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's either gonna. It's got three ways of moving. It either walks on its tail upright, it rolls down the hill, or it like just wiggles as like a worm. But then, obviously, so if it's just walking down the street, if it's wiggling, it's then gone past the shop or the turn it wants to make, and if it tries to come backwards, it can't because it's it's razor blade skin won't allow it to move backwards, will it? So the impracticalities of this. It shark, also loses mate. its sort of scary effect yeah. of when it's just. If he's having to like wobble down yeah. the like a worm, no one's going, Oh fucking hell, look how scary da, that da, shark da, is. Da, Everyone's da, looking da, at it like oh, oh, yeah. he's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go and stroke him, but not the wrong way. So I feel we've covered that topic well, um, on this podcast. Shall we do a massive crunching gear change and talk about Marcus Smith instead? I mean, what a day for him. What a day. Absolutely ridiculous. And although you know we could get slightly political here as well, let's let's change a different angle. Let's let's go with something that someone else won't talk about. Why on earth did the Lions drop it during the middle of an England game? There's part of me that thinks that Gats has done that on purpose, just because, just to piss Eddie off. You know, the beef between them is quite funny. Well, I mean, there's, he seems to have picked half this line squad or be using this line squad possibly as a way of winding up Eddie Jones, doesn't he? So, call up for <laughs> Sam Simmons and he's playing Harry Daly at outside centre. <laughs> See if that's sticking. Harry Daly. <laughs> Harriet. Harriet Daly. Harriet Daly. Well, so when you get called up for the Lions, <laughs> what's, what is Marcus Smith experiencing right now? Does he get business class? As he's flying from London to Cape Town. Didn't he have tickets to the final of the football? Yes, he was. Um, Oogs, Ugo Monier, Monier, Hugo Monier, um, who I did punditry with yesterday, was bigging up how he was going to the Euro final. Because I was like, mate, yeah, what are you up to? Because I've managed to get a, um, 
a projector, a small time projector and some sort of screen off of Amazon and I'm going to have some people over and it's going to be really, you know, we're going to make the most of it and have fun. And he went, yeah, yeah, I've got tickets. Um, I'm going to Wembley. I was like, oh, fuck. And uh, he said, yeah, Marcus is, is coming with as well. I was like, oh, awesome. Cool. Should we just get on with the job now? And uh, I'll see you later. And then this came through and halfway through. In fact, I think it was the first thought that Oogs had, he went, oh no, he won't be able to come to the football now, will he? And I wasn't <laughs> sure whether he was worried that would jeopardise his uh, credibility of going because he was actually leaning on Marcus Smith to get him the ticket, but it wasn't. Oogs is big enough with uh, Adidas to get it. And then he turned to me and was like, mate, I've got a spare ticket. Do you want to come? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "He's he definitely doesn't mean that. He doesn't, he's not meaning this but I would like to say yes just to like call his bluff. But he's only asked me because he knows full well that I'm having all my family over and I've already just bought a projector and a screen. He knows full well that I'm going to say no. So um, I don't know. What would you choose, Dan? Would you choose to go on a, a COVID-bubbled Lions tour in South Africa or the Euro 2021, well, it's 2020 final, push back to 2021? I'd, I'd choose the isolation. On the flight, uh, <laughs> twelve hours such, to yourself. Yeah, thank you. Su- you're such. Can I just fly there and fly back? Yeah, be fine. Bastard. <laughs> this is this is precisely what um, one of our new Patreon listeners has said. Dan, his name's Darren Greenfield, and this is we need Dan the Man Cole as often as you can. Two miserable bastards together. Quality. I think that's really mean that he's called you miserable, Tom. <laughs> I was going to say, you're the two miserable bastards, I'm the quality, am I? What about you, Tom? Are you, ta- are you taking the Euro final or are you going on a Lions tour? Because you've, you've haven't you experienced loads of things with your mate Dursey. That would have been a good one to write about. <laughs> I would try and be greedy and experience both by claiming that I couldn't leave for the Lions tour until the early flight on Monday morning for some spurious reason. And if pushed, my story would quickly fall apart. And I would probably get pictured jumping around cavorting at Wembley to totally blow my cover story as well. I think if if Gats wants him that hard, he should call his bluff. Yeah. And there have been footballers in the past have been like, um, oh, you know, it's my grandmother's funeral. I can't do international duty. And they've just gone on holiday instead. Stephen Ireland. So. Yeah, Stephen Ireland claimed he couldn't because it was his grandmother's funeral. And then his grandmother was interviewed <laughs> and, and made it clear that it <laughs> From the coffin. It wasn't that funeral. Um, <laughs> That's so awkward that they interviewed his own grandma at her funeral. <laughs> it's a little bit like Castro um, when when he was at Racing Metro, wasn't he? Yeah, and they, he said it was the, they played us in the semi, and uh, and basically, yeah, all Racing flew all the players out, and he's like, "No, I've got a family issue." And next thing, he's in Vegas with Zlatan, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic yeah. just like tops off. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Joe, if Marcus Smith does indeed decide that he's not going to go to the Euros final and he's on the flight. Because give us an example of what sort of thing he might be watching, because you know him well now from Quinns. Is he a Netflix man? Is he getting through a podcast? Is he Googling? Is he using the Wi-Fi to Google all his new Lions teammates? Will he know them all already? He'll know He'll know them all already. He's a, he's a big rugby fan. Um, he'll know, he won't have the Jared Payne incident um, at all. 
He'll probably be doing a lot of football research. He's a big Brighton fan. Seagulls, seagulls. And he will be genuinely gutted that he's missing out on the Euro final. But he was also shaking, physically shaking yesterday with excitement of, oh my God, I've got called up to the Lions. This, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Uh, and I don't know. <laughs> Bless his heart. He was like, he is obviously very young. Um, but when he gets on the rugby field, he's you know comes of age and he's got quite a wise head. Um, nowhere near as big as Dan's, but yeah. You know, um, but he's still a kid. He is still a kid, so he'll just be buzzing the whole time. There's not a chance in hell he's ordering uh, double vodka and coke to relax his nerves, is he? Even though if you're getting business for free. Perhaps this is why, Joe, that you've ended up as a prop and Marcus has ended up as a 10. I think I think he'll be unbelievable if he gets a shot. By the sounds of the way Gats was speaking, that Finn Russell will be out for a couple of weeks. So if, if the big if is if fixtures do continue to go ahead, then Marcus will actually get a shout. Um, and I can't wait for him because he's just such a lovely kid. He's He's very good because... A lot of that generation, and Dan is a big stickler for this, um, so I'd like you to come in whenever you want, Dan. Um, the, the sort of younger generation to us, in fact, I was younger generation to Dan, so two generations younger than Dan um, are a bit more, not yeah, a little bit more cocksure, a bit more like... They're closer to the first team because salary caps mean that we can't have as big a squad, so we need academy boys to sort of fill numbers. So then it makes them have an inflated view of, oh, I'm not far off of actually being in the first team because I'm training with everyone like that. So they get a little bit ahead of themselves. But the thing is with Marcus, he's got so much potential and he's achieved so much already so young, and yet he's still incredibly grounded and just like... I remember calling him up after he got the golden boot or something and or some sort of award and I said, Oh mate, well done, you fully deserve it. Um you've done brilliantly for us this year, you've guided all this lot and he was like, Yeah, cool, cheers Joe, appreciate that. Next day he came in to work and he came up to me, he was like, Yep, yeah, got your point, mate, I'm just gonna keep my head down and work hard. I was like I didn't say that. I wasn't calling you to say, Fucking get back in your box. Get back in your box, you little fucking shit. Like Dan would do. I wouldn't call him. (laughs) (laughs) Even genuinely now, if Marcus was in the Leicester Tigers team and Leicester had achieved what we'd somehow achieved this year, Dan would still not know Marcus's name. Right, Dan. So when Marcus Smith completes his business class flight to South Africa, how does it work when you're a, a new lion arriving in camp? Is it a bit like that episode of In Between Us when Will rocks up and Simon is allotted to show him round? Or is Marcus just going to turn up and just everyone expects him to know who they are and how it works? Do you think he'll get a better response um, than when Hask replaced Billy in the squad and he walked in the room and they went, "Uh, this is James Haskell who's replaced Billy Vernapola and the whole room went... <sighs> if there'd been the camera behind the whole squad, and that's what said, everyone just shoulders just slumped. Like, uh. 
Everyone's looking for the exit. Right, how do we pull out of this tour? If we all pull out at the same time, he'll have to call up an extra 40 people and surely it won't go ahead. No. Um, I think he'll get... I'm just looking at the squad that Sink will look after him, sort of. Although when he was at the club, Sink was kind of just telling him what moves to run from 10 most of the time. <laughs> um as the uh, ball-playing tight head that he is. But I'm sure he'll be fine. To go back to the question, Tom, bring it, swing it back. He shouldn't be fine. I'm sure he'll be fine. Such, he's so good at this. You sh- I, think you should, I think you should just do the podcast with Dan. Well, we nearly had to, Joe, because you were 25 minutes late turning up. Yeah, apologies. Really, really sorry for that. And I have put uh, some clothes on my, on, my, on my bottom, on my bottom half. Um... It's a little bit harder, Dan. You knew how hard it. You know how hard it was when you fucking had twins. Yeah. You know the thing, but I've got f- I've got four of the fuckers, and they are they are mental. I think Daisy's genes have really, really taken over <laughs> and dominated all our kids and their personalities, and they are completely and utterly bonkers. How old's Jas- Jasper now? He's seven. So. You should be training him up to like look after yeah. the youngest now, isn't it? So that's how it works. We have loads of kids. I thought like the eldest one starts, you know, just parenting the younger ones. This isn't this isn't the nineteen hundreds, Dan, where you send seven year olds to like work. Is it not? Like, oh. I'm trying to give him a bit of a. I better a take childhood. my kids out the chimney. Then go to work like. when he's twelve. Sorry, boys. Apparently, <laughs> you don't have to sweep the chimneys anymore. It's fine. Come, come down. Come down. Um, right. I was asked yesterday. Um, about the con, the is it controversy or controversy, or is it both? You can have either. Just say it quickly; it's fine. Or either. I was asked about the controversy of um, the Lions tour at the moment, and how people are now moaning that it should never have gone ahead, and etc. Such are you getting? I think another COVID case in the Springbok camp. You're getting all these false negative. It's just like carnage at the minute. What is your opinion? Do you think it should have gone ahead? Or do you go, well, it's going ahead now, so we've just got to crack on, stop fucking moaning? I think you're there. You've got to sort of deal with the circumstances, do as best you can. The problem is going to be is it's not great optics for rugby and the Lions and moving forward and stuff. And, you know, it's um, they're doing the best they can and in the circumstance, but you do kind of wonder if previously whether you say brought it to this country or done whatever or I know other people talk about other options because but the problem is say you get so far down the plan you can't you know these things are set in stone four years ago eight years ago whatever it is so they're really difficult to change within two days um but yeah it's um I think just early doors as well it's a bit of a shock isn't it seeing as we talked about before no fans or this going on and because it's the only sport at the minute everyone's looking at it going like oh COVID COVID you know what's this so I think once the tests start it'll be more lions in regards to, you know, the the excitement builds and you just, you play the test and that's what people want to see. Whereas now it's everything that goes with the sort of, there's so much up in the air regards, oh, what's the team going to be? What's this going to be? What's that going to be? But as soon as the tests start, you knuckle down and the focus is just on the rugby. You're almost missing out on your, your usual narratives in the midweek stuff where you're trying to guess the teams and stuff because it, it's a little bit irrelevant. You're almost like, fuck, we just need to protect everything to make sure that the tests go ahead. So all those, these team, that team, oh, that combination, that combination isn't really applying as much because A, you're not playing an opposition that's 
really not it's not worthy but like tough enough to actually then get it get it going and then you're also shitting yourself that if you play any more games you're like oh god we might get another case of covid in the camp and then the tests are a thing i just think it's strange that there's zero fans over there and the lions tour is always about the amount of fans and there's 65,000 at Wembley tonight or there's Goodwood going at the Silverstone is it Silverstone going out next week Dan you're a big car man is it like a hundred plus thousand people going to that 120,000 I think Wimbledon and I mean Wimbledon is the biggest one mate they've got the roof closed and there's like no one in there with masks that one's mental I think I think we've gone too serious, Tom. Do you want to do you want to chip into that? Because if we've <laughs> well, gone too serious, I think we need to have a little. It is you, you're, you're making very good points because the game on Saturday, the fun I think from the outside, from a spectator's, for a fan's point of view, at this early point of the Lions tour, comes in two ways. It comes from the off the field stuff when you see how this disparate group are getting together and having fun, and it comes from trying to be a bit Sherlock around the team selections. And, ah, okay, so what he's thinking about here is X, Y, Z, or I tell you what, that looked really good. But these games almost feel, I know they're not pointless games at all, but they almost feel like they don't have, they don't carry the same um, relevance as they ordinarily would. And that we're just ticking off meaningless tour games before we get to the test series. And then the test series itself will feel so different because there aren't spectators. And I don't know if it will make it more fun because... Both teams are going to be undercooked as to compared to how they should be not ordinarily because the Springboks have played one test against Georgia since they won the World Cup. Um, and the Lions are going through these very strange series of tour matches which aren't tour matches. I don't know. I could almost see the first half an hour of the first test either being extraordinary fun as two teams who haven't really come up against proper opposition cut loose or an absolute shambles as they try and remember how to play test rugby. I don't, I'm not sure, what if you like your steak, like, rare? Everyone always talks about, oh, he's undercooked. But if you if you like it rare, then being undercooked's good. Like, who, who go, who, whoever goes, oh, I want my food overcooked. So I don't like that. I, I don't like that saying. It, I also don't like, oh, we need to be whiter than white. If you're currently in South Africa and apparently there's a stomach bug going around... You probably want to err on the side of caution, don't you? And overcook your meat as opposed to undercook it. So that's where it comes Chicken in. Chicken-wise. That's where the relevance comes in. Yeah. No one wants any pink in their food at the moment, do they? Correct. I think we need to get some adverts <laughs> because this is going... Going south to the southern hemisphere. Cue the ads. Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favourite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namone Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behaviour creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. Right, it is time for some Patreon love. Patreon love. Love, love, love. Love for the Patreons. This episode is sponsored by Golden Graham McDermid. How do we think Graham's surname said? Like, 
Have I said it right the first? McDear, dear, dear mid. What do you reckon, Tom? Big M, small C, capital D, I A R M I D. McDermid. Mickey Dermid. Mickey Dermid. We're going with Graham. We're going with we're going with the Grahamy Mickey Dermid. The Golden Grahamy Mickey Dermid. Perfect, Joe. We're also sponsored by the Pratt. Jonathan Pratt. Jonathan, I didn't come up with that nickname. And by Nibble Nibble, it's Stuart Kibble. A big shout out to the locksmith. Jordan Blaylock. On my first whistle, it's Tom Anderson. The wily old fox is still sponsoring us. Dave Wiley. To be more like Dave, Tom, Jordan, Jonathan, Stuart and Graham, go to patreon.com, search for The Joe Marler Show and grow the show today. Grow the show if, if you, know, you know Joe and Tom For everyone, everyone Tell the world Have you heard What's the next word? Grow the show If you know Joe and Tom For everyone Oh spread the word have you heard Joe Marla's show? Joe Marla's show. Self-evidently, those were the adverts. Let's talk a little bit more about the issues on this Lions tour. So you two know Jamie George really well. He was captain on Saturday against the Cell Sea Sharks. He always strikes me as a very nice man. I always enjoyed the conversations I had with him in my old life. Is he a very nice man or is there any darkness to Jamie George? I've known Jamie since he was 17, 18. We played through the age groups and he's always had the same tag of, oh, he's so jolly. Um, (laughs) He's always been like, I don't want to be jolly. I was like, well, sorry, mate. Be less jolly then. But And then extras, obviously, with um, Ricky Gervais and David. Do we say Bowie or Bowie on this podcast? Say it quickly and I think it should be Bowie. Dan again, say it really quickly and it doesn't matter. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so David of the famous variety who's now passed. Oh fucking hell, do you remember? Do you he reviewed David's Big dead. Brother? Oh my god <laughs> David's <laughs> dead. Big Brother one <laughs> When David Bowie slash Bowie had died, but he wasn't in the house, but there was David Guest in the Guest. house. Yeah. And they they they've they'd told um David Bowie slash Bowie's ex-wife, the news, and then she'd come in and told this woman, and she was, I can't remember who the woman was, and she was like, yeah, David's dead. And she was like, what? She was don't like, tell anyone, don't tell anyone, but, you know, I'm just sad David's dead. And David gets having a nap in here in the other room. <laughs> it'll be very like, well. oh my God, like, David's dead! <laughs> He's dead, oh David's my God! Dead. <laughs> and then they go in the bedroom, she's screaming, she looks, <laughs> looks under the cover, David's there, He's fine. <laughs> and then she's like, what a sick joke. She just came and told me that David Guest is dead. And he, she was like, no, you fucking idiot. I was talking about my ex-husband. And there was this big drama all about, oh, my uh, God, why would you say such a sick joke? But anyway, that is such a bad segue from what you are actually It's, it's an iconic Jamie, TV which... moment, though, isn't it? It's that, like, <laughs> even now I just David's sometimes dead. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> And how does this relate to Jamie George? Sorry, we were talking about David Bowie Bowie, who sings Jolly Little Fat Man. 
chubby little loser to Ricky Gervais. And I think Jamie was always worried about that sort of tag of being jolly. Oh, that's what you mean by jolly. And it's not. And I was talking about this to someone yesterday that he's liked and loved by everyone. Like, he, he, he... there's there's people that have got the respect of everyone that aren't always liked. So someone like Dan. Um, <laughs> Dan often has the respect of everyone and the love and like of uh, just me. Um, but Jamie's and then to be given the captaincy for him is just fully deserved. He's just a lovely, lovely guy. But you worry that when you describe someone as a really nice, lovely man, like you just have, Tom, that you go, that he hasn't got much to it. Do you know what I mean? But he has. He has. There's a reason why he's been um, head of the social committee for England for several years. Yeah. It's me or Jamie, and I, I fell on my sword and gave it to him. Is there a greater bond? I'm, in, I'm thinking about the, the bonds we hear about in the front row. Is there a greater bond between tight head and loose head? than there is between, say, tight head and hooker or loose head and hooker. What I'm trying to say is, is the hooker the one who fancies himself most in the front row? Hookers are a special breed. I would say, like, because, like, loose heads, tight heads, you kind of, there's normally one on the bench, whatever it is, but, like, it's you know you're a pair in some regards, whereas hookers, I've always known hookers, they're really, like, another part of the front row they're really competitive because there's only one spot and like, you know, they're front and centre with throwing and I've always known hookers to like, even in squads, probably a bit of Queens and stuff, but they get on, but there's always, because you're always fighting for one spot in that singular spot that you're always, there's some, you know, not hatred, but there's some, even though like, there's just a competitive edge with them all. There's that underlying tone of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done. Great throw, mate. Fucking yeah. watch this, you prick. Yeah. Or when, <laughs> uh, um, or great throw, but, oh, uh, can't scrimmage like that kind of stuff like oh yeah oh, you know what I mean it's always like a <laughs> oh yeah he's great around the park yeah really good but he's his set piece up to scratch yeah oh yeah well. but also they I think they are quite reliant on both of us as props because they haven't like from a safety perspective he hasn't got his arms has he so when you want to when the scrum collapses it's like, oh, fuck, I haven't got anything here. To, I've got these two. I hope the boys either side of me somehow take the brunt or help me a little bit. So, yeah, like Dan said, they're a unique breed, but they're quite reliant on us to sort of help them out sometimes. Are they quite nausy? It always strikes me anyone who gets heavily involved in the line-out is quite nausy. Yeah, I think you have to be. I think, like, as a hooker, because you have to know... You know, A, you've got to spend time practicing the actual technical skill of throwing a ball, and B, you have to understand what your caller wants and when you're looking at opposition. Like, because obviously, a hooker, I think you can only see, you don't have the depth perspective of what's going on the line out. So, you have to have that trust with the line out caller to call to the right spots, and you, know, you have to have the right shape of ball because you've got to know where the defense is. Like, oh, we've got two pods, we're going up here, here, and you've got to thread the needle, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think, and that probably reflects on like on a bigger scale. You look at like a lot of forwards coaches, I think a lot of them. Hookers because a you have to know the lineup from that technical side of things and b you have to know the scrimmage because it's in the front. So I think there's a lot and also nowadays hookers have to run around and run great lines and tackle and do all that kind of stuff. So they're very much integral to every part of the game. And I think you know if you look at probably um, like McBride 
was a hooker. I remember worked cockers. Like there's a lot of forwards coaches across the league, and especially in France where they love them. Um, is like Servat is uh, played as Am, all those kind of blokes that coach different clubs. They're hookers because I think you know you just have a, a general knowledge of everything going on. You have to be pretty much an expert in all facets of the game. And also their personalities. I'm trying to think of the hookers we played with that they tend to be quite obsessive or really good at other things as well because they're that like nausey or intent and you go like someone like Cowan Dickey who people go well he's not you know he doesn't concentrate and stuff like that I'm like mate he was in the top five Call of Duty players in the world you know what you've got to be pretty switched on to do that and is that uh, a fact that's that is a fact I'm almost certainly got up to it was, like, it was definitely like Dan it was like top 10 in Europe. I don't think it might have been the world or Europe or something like that. I think he was out with injury at the time and literally just spent all this time. Yeah. It was definitely like the top he 10. He was literally playing like 12 hour shifts on Call of Duty <laughs> and he was insane. Yeah. I don't like, I don't play games where there used to be a big like screen in the, t- in the um, team room and he'd be playing on there and he'd be like walking around this map and he'd be like, oh, there'd be someone behind that bang and they'd be like, get points for a kill and you're like, you, there was no one there and he's like, yeah, but there'd be someone hiding boom, there and like literally it was just, he, he knew what was happening before it was happening. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, how are you supposed to play this We were game? never allowed to play. We were allowed no. to, we were allowed to spectate. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. anywhere near the controllers. I was thinking about this as um, Lion Stories the other day and I was like, I'm pretty sure you and me, didn't we play FIFA against Mako and Tips and beat them in New Zealand? Yeah, I'm we did. That. We did. They they played they played FIFA all the time, and we rocked up and beat them. And then we yeah, went, yeah. give us a go. And Dan, with his like <laughs> massive sausage fingers, was like, "How do I grip this controller?" He went to hold it like a N sixty four, you know, like one handed on the angle. And he was like, "No, you hold that." But and I think we like, I think we did a two 0 job on him, Dan. And yeah. it was the greatest day of our Lions career, actually, to beat two experts, and they were heartbroken, absolutely yeah. like, "Oh my god, these pair of prats!" Because they used to go off. You could hear them, couldn't you? Like all through every hotel you used to go to, they'd have a like a PlayStation in their room, and you could just hear Mako howling like all night long because he'd be playing it. And t- t- oh, <laughs> like you literally hear them both from like three rooms away they'd be just laughing and oh, you'd, be, what, you'd be in your room wouldn't you and then like 10 o'clock at night you just hear them like erupt because the, one of them scored a goal and then yeah me and Joe beat them <laughs> um, the trouble the tr- just back to Jamie because we tend to go off on a tangent or a tagine on this um, he although we've described him as a nice man and a jolly man and stuff like that he's got to have this aggressive side to him he's got to be in people's faces and stuff like that so it's quite a challenge for him to go from this nice guy to this horrible nasty piece of shit getting which he 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 isn't he isn't there's only once or twice that he's gotten angry um usually when someone's nicked his food or um um sung the jolly little fat man song at him or the time when (laughs) i did a flying headbutt in an A-League game, in a reserves game <laughs> at the bottom of this ruck, even though we were, we used to be roommates at um, under-20s, I saw him at the bottom of this ruck and I thought, right, I've got him here, I've got him. And I've just jumped into this ruck head first, arms literally behind my back and straight at him. And he's just got on and he's like, oh, what's that about, mate? I thought we were pals. I was like, we are, sorry. And then just ran off like that. And even then he didn't get angry, really, so... 
Although we do describe him as jolly and nice, he has got this edge to him, like every hooker at international level needs to get in people's faces when he wants to. It's just his chat's just a little bit stinkier than most because it doesn't come naturally to him to be really nasty to someone. And on the basis that we know that Elliot Daly is the hairiest man in the Lions squad, A, where is Jamie George on the hairyometer? And B, who is the least hairy man? On the Lions squad. Jamie's not hairy at all. He can't he can't grow a beard. He gets quite upset about that. Him and Joe Launchbury often have conversations about... He grows like an underbeard, doesn't he? An underbeard. Yeah, like a chin beard, like the guy from Game of Thrones. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Samuel Tard! <laughs> yeah. That's the one, Samuel Tard, yeah. You're right. Um, he Samuel, grows like the underbeard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I... I I can't remember how hairy he is. Joe's the one that takes like notes on people's um, hairiness and stuff. Notes slash photos. <laughs> yeah. The amount of photos I've got of you, Dan, and where you're hairiest and not hairy. It's just wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could set up an OnlyFans page on your behalf and we could make millions. Yeah, I get sent... I often get sent texts from other people that you've sent shots of me naked too. and then like about six months later they'll send me like it to me and I'm like oh right I'll, yeah yeah straight to Marlowe yeah brilliant yeah that's uh, yeah well just come up on a group chat somewhere along the lines like oh what, what who's that who's that incredibly ripped guy bit bit pale yeah. oh it's me alright yeah you are reasonably lean I wouldn't say incredibly ripped right let's go through the squad and find out who's hairy and who's not we've got Johnny Hill he looks like Mr Tumnus but he's not overly hairy around his body <laughs> Courtney Laws he hasn't got uh, he hasn't got hair on his body apart from his head to be honest with you actually he's got a little bit on his chin yeah he goes for that one um, who else is hairy Win Jones there's not Ken Owens Adam Lewis Ken Owens is hairy, yeah, he's that. He's sort of that thickness mm. hair, isn't mm. he? You know that it was just like a, a furball. He's like a cannonball. A pelt. Ken the Cannonball Owens, but it should be Ken the Cannon, the furry Cannonball Owens. You think he's wearing his velvet blazer, in actual um, fact. Marrow, no. Tom Curry, your mate Tom Curry. Oh, and Ian Henderson, I reckon, has got a little bit of a hairy back as well. I mean, this is fascinating chat, Joe, but I did ask you who the least hairy line is it's got it's gonna have to be marcus isn't it when he lands he'll get that title and it's a great title to have he has he's got lovely hair on his head but not a single hair on the rest of his body and it's not because he shaves it's because i'm not entirely sure puberty has started for him bless his heart so what a wonderful way to end our lion special rugby specific podcast thank you ever so much for coming on again Dan thank you thank you for having me Tom you're meant to really help us make it more relevant to rugby and you don't <laughs> you ask us about hairy non-hairy people you know me by now Joe uh, some news Patreon listeners we are recording Documentary Club this week it's going to be all about the 1997 Living With Lions doc amazing doc and even better our next committee meeting will be on the 27th or the 26th of July. So, if you're a committee member, get those in your diary. Well, Joe, 27th or 26th, we should have sorted this out in advance, I think. 26th of July is committee meeting. Be there or be square. 
people. This is great news, Joe. And if people are perhaps new to this podcast and haven't heard what we do ordinarily, what would you suggest? Well, I would suggest that they go and download our Best Bits episode because it's like there's two episodes and it's got all our best bits. That's why it's called the Best Bits episodes. And it's like two, two plus hours of absolute shite. But it's worth listening to, to make your own opinion on. Tremendous. And we'll be back on Thursday, probably after the Lions have played the Sharks once more. We'll see you then. Ta-ra. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Podcast Network.